Hey everybody, welcome to church. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor. We're going to be reading uh, from Matthew 14, and then we're going to pray and spend just a little bit of time together in one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. This is the feeding of the 5,000. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab one and let's read together. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that we may go in, they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said to them, Bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up into heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were filled. And the crowd, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then we'll jump in together. Father, we ask you today to help us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would settle us so that we might think deep and true thoughts about the Bible. But Lord, we also ask you to help us see truth for our own lives today in the midst of this pandemic and all the uncertainty around us. We pray, God, that we would see a bridge built from this text to us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So there are just a few things in this passage that I think we need to stop and consider. And these will help us understand maybe what the Lord would want to say to us during a season and a time just like the one we're in. Number one, Jesus makes space for reflection and grief. And as I've thought about this passage, it strikes me that here, when we pick up the text at the very beginning, we hear the phrase, when he heard this, he withdrew to a lonely place. And what he had heard, if you read contextually, is of the death of John the baptizer, his cousin, that forerunner in ministry. See, John and Jesus were intimately connected in their ministry and mission and even in their family. These men knew one another. And when Jesus hears that John has died, he doesn't just plow ahead. He doesn't just busy himself or distract himself. He doesn't numb out. He doesn't say, I don't have time for that pain. No, what he does is he withdraws. He actually takes a step back from the rhythms of his life in a moment of disorientation so that he would be recalibrated. And I just have to ask you what I think the text is asking of all of us. When we're facing disorientation and grief, do we take a step back to reflect? See, if we just busy ourselves, if we just move ahead, we sometimes move ahead in ways that are not terribly helpful. And maybe many of us right now are experiencing a kind of burnout, and then we've just plowed ahead, living unreflectively. Well, the first thing Jesus teaches us here in this passage, before any miracle occurs, he teaches us about stepping back to reflect and grieve. But as you know, it's not easy to do this. 
As soon as Jesus takes time to be by himself, we're told in the text that crowds follow him from all the towns. And the word for followed is not a good word in this text. If you go into the Greek language, the word for the the following that they do is hunting. They hunt for Jesus. It's as if when Jesus takes a little bit of space, the needs just hunt for him. And maybe you feel that way right now. I know I do sometimes. We feel like the minute I try to take space, all the needs and demands around me are hunting for me. Well, Jesus takes the space. And by the time the needs then catch up to him, Jesus is full of compassion. Y'all, one of the things that we see here is that when we take time for grief and reflection like Jesus, when we step out of our rhythms and actually ask the question, how am I doing? How's my soul? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Our capacity for compassion elevates. We're told here that after taking space, when Jesus sees the crowds coming toward him, he's filled with compassion. Is your compassion meter running low with your kids, your friends, your coworkers, your pets, at the cubicle next to you if you're spacing out in your office? When our compassion meter is low, it's almost always an invitation to step back and reflect, to give space. Well, the second thing we see in this passage, and y'all, this is so significant. By the time the needs come at Jesus and his friends, by the time the crowds begin to to kind of like surround them, and, and we're talking about thousands of people, by the time that happens, the disciples start to get nervous. And the second thing we see in this passage is that the disciples, when they're confronted with needs coming at them, uh, they become immediately concerned with the lack of resources. They're afraid of scarcity. In that sense, they're just like you and me. When I see needs coming at me that seem overwhelming, in this case, it was thousands of people. The disciples pull Jesus aside and they're like, Jesus, we got to send these people. We we don't have a grocery store. There's not a restaurant around here. We need you to get rid of them so that they won't overwhelm us with their hunger. See, the disciples are dealing with a scarcity mindset. And many of us come to a moment like this after five months of pandemic disorientation and we see the needs coming at us, friends, family, our job, worries about health, and we think, I don't have enough. And y'all, one of the tendencies, one of the tells that we're facing scarcity is that we begin to want to push people away. That's exactly what the disciples do. So what does Jesus do? The third thing that we see here is that when the disciples in their scarcity say, we're worried we don't have enough, Jesus says, well, share with me what you do have. He asks a critical question. So we may not have enough. What's on hand? What do we have? And the disciples here present to Jesus a terribly insufficient level of resource. Well, some kid has a few pieces of fish and a few loaves of bread. We're actually told not in this gospel. As a kid, another gospel tells us it's a small child. And just as an aside, I think this is really important because it would be hard for any of us to imagine that of the 5,000 plus people that only one person and it was a child bothered to bring lunch. So what do you think happened? All the grownups probably brought provisions People knew there was not a Trader Joe's out there. So they brought provisions for the day. But the minute that a request was made, who, who has food? All the grown-ups hide their food behind their backs. Why? Scarcity. They know there's not enough for them and everybody else. So what do they do? They hide what they have. 
And many of us right now, we know I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough hope. I don't have enough love for me and you. So when we're confronted with the need, we hide what we have because we want to make it last. That's the earmark of a scarcity mindset. But some kid is just naive enough to go, well, here's what I have. So what does Jesus do? He takes what they have, knowing that it's not enough. And he says, we can work with what you have. And I believe that God wants to say to each and every one of us, I know what you have is not enough, but I can work with what you have if you will share it with me. The decision that we have to make, the critical decision is to share what we have, even as we acknowledge that it's not enough. God knows that. You know that, but it does us no good to hide it. So Jesus takes what they have. He takes their insufficient resources. And what does he do? He breaks it into 12 parts. So I want you to do the math with me here. He takes not enough and he makes it really not enough. Not enough divided by 12. Not, 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 not enough. And then what does he do? He invites his friends to turn away from the need for a second and look at him. And then he hands them a portion of an insufficient resource. And then what does Jesus do? The fourth movement in this passage, he invites his friends to then turn back toward the need, knowing that they do not have enough, but they do have something Jesus has given them. And I wanna be really clear as I imagine what Peter or James or John must have felt as they're looking at Jesus in this moment and, and Jesus is handing them something so small and then Jesus looks them in the face and says, now I want you to turn toward the need. I would imagine that every fear impulse, every hiding impulse was triggered in their bodies because they like you, when they're dealing with scarcity, they don't wanna turn and face the need. They don't wanna turn and face the people. They wanna run or get rid of those people. But in obedience, they turn to face the need. One of the things that I believe Jesus is doing for us that's so similar to what he did for his friends 2,000 years ago is when he gives us a call to turn toward the need, even though we know we don't have what it takes, he wants us to do it anyway. So what do they do? They turn with woefully, dreadfully insufficient resources. And if you're anything like me, you feel that right now. I'm facing the needs around me and I look at what I have and I know it's not enough, but Jesus asked me to do it. And I think he's asking each and every one of us to turn toward the need. See, our temptation is to turn inward, but God calls us to turn outward. And when they turn outward, a miracle had not yet occurred. See, they had to hold their hands out and people start coming and I believe that a renewable resource miracle happened step by step. A piece was gone, a piece was replaced, a piece was gone. He didn't immediately stack up bread and fish to the sky. This was one of those miracles that you had to really watch to know that a miracle was even happening. But Peter knew, the disciples knew, because what should have run out didn't run out. We're taught to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And that's what God did in this moment. He provided daily bread. And I think he wants to do the same thing for you and for me in our daily lives. Here's where the story ends. Everybody had plenty to eat. It's the last movement. So much food 
that by the time it was over, they collected 12 baskets full. Now, do you know why they collected 12 baskets full? I believe Jesus wanted each of his friends to walk home with a big, heavy basket full of provision, of more than they needed, of abundance, so that they would know the next time he asked them to risk that he's the God who can take your not enough and make it more than enough. And y'all, if we'll just begin to believe this, I believe God can do miracles, not just in our midst, but in our city and in our world. And that's what he has for each and every one of us. So there are a couple of really simple invitations here. Will you be the kind of person that takes space to reflect? Will you reject scarcity when you feel it coming? Will you turn outward when Jesus tells you to turn outward? Trusting that he can take your not enough and make it more than enough. I think if we'll say yes to those things, we're gonna be the kinds of people God wants us to be. And our church will be the kind of church that God wants it to be. We're going to finish today by praying the words of the Lord's Prayer. And so I hope you'll join me in your living room or wherever it is you are. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. God bless you, go in peace. We are so thankful that you worshiped with us today. We hope to see you soon, amen.